Hello every, again, everyone. Uh, my name's Simon. I'm the senior minister here at Kingswood Anglican, and I want to reflect on uh, the passage that was just read, Matthew 6, and some other things. We're, we're going through this series called Growing a Healthy Church. And so if you've been with us for a few weeks or all year, but uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've, we've begun this service, this, uh, this series. And uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it myself uh, as, as a, the preacher, hopefully, has the word of God washed over him as well. Um, not as well, first and foremost, before it comes to the congregation. And I'm really enjoying um, reflecting on all the things that make a church healthy. Uh, two weeks ago, we reflected on um, keeping on track with Jesus. If Jesus is the one who began the church, then we need to go back to him and, uh, and listen to what he said to the disciples and respond to him. So two weeks ago, we looked at uh, making disciples, that our church is about making disciples. And as soon as we stop putting that on our primary agenda, we actually stop listening to Jesus and being an obedient church to the one who we want to obey the most. That was two weeks ago. And last week, we looked at uh, worshipping the living God with joy, uh, that we would come to church and in our not just in church on Sundays, but all of our week will be filled with with transformed lives responding to the goodness and greatness of God, that there is no one greater than God. He is uh, singularly perfect and he does not need us, but he invites us to, to be with him and to, to give thanks and praise to him. And it comes to the, our, third, our third sermon in this series on growing a healthy church, and the topic of today is money. So I just want to say up the top, I'll say this again in the, in the sermon just in case you miss it the first time. Uh, friends, if this is the first time you've come to our church, I want you to understand that we don't do this every Sunday. We don't talk about money this bluntly and openly every Sunday. So thank you for coming to church uh, on this. If this is your first day, then you've chosen a fantastic day to join us. Um, but I just want you to hear that this is not what we do every single week. But it fits inside our sermon series because as you listen to the words of Jesus... He says, look, if you actually are serving money, then you've stopped serving God. And so as a church family under the banner of growing a healthy church, we need to talk about money in the context of this sermon series. First of all, um, God is generous. We want to acknowledge this. God is generous. Everything we have comes from him. The, the, uh, King David in the Old Testament, in that reading that uh, Karen read to us in 1 Chronicles, King David recognised this. He was getting ready for his son to build the first temple in Israel, to transform the tent that was the tabernacle that God was, had chosen to dwell in, to represent his presence on earth in a tent. And David said, that's not good enough for God. We need a temple. And God said, that's a, good, that's a great idea, David. Your heart's in the right place, but you're not the one who's going to build it. Your son will. However, David um, ushered in materially. He called to the, to the nation and said, bring in... Um, he didn't tell them what to bring. He just said, bring in what you want. And he was overwhelmed by the generosity of the people of Israel that brought from far and wide uh, great wealth. And he, he said these words in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. He said, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Did you hear what, what David is saying here? He doesn't praise the people for being generous. He praises God that we're actually even able to be generous, that we even have the concept of being able to take, the, what, take from the, the more than what we need and to, to give it to God. Who am I and who are we? You know, David is right there in our, 
In our hearing, David is worshipping the living God with joy, praising him for who he is. In the Old Testament, in the context of David's prayer, when he says, who am I and who are my people? He is the king of Israel, and Israel is a nation that God had chosen out of all the nations, not because they were great or that they were good or that they were special, but just because God chose them from his grace. Uh, He chose them to be a a nation who would represent him on earth and to be a light to the world. And David here is saying, who are we that we have this, this generosity from God to even be able to hold up his name, let alone to have possessions that we can be generous with? We, we are not in that same context as David. We're not the people of Israel building a temple for the Lord. We are in the New Testament. We live on the other side of Jesus' coming. But in 2, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, I'm not sure if I've got that. I do have that there. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. What's the richness there that Paul's talking about in regards to Jesus? You consider that Jesus is the Lord of all creation. Everything is made through him, for him, by him. Everything. And therefore, there's nothing that is here that he could not have, that he did not create to begin with. So when we think, when we consider the richness of God, it's at a different plane to the way that we think about richness. Everything flows from him. He doesn't gather and then spread out. Everything flows from him, from the heart of of God. But in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, Paul recognises that Jesus, who has everything, there's not a single thing that he lacks. And yet he forsook his grand place in heaven in order to become human, to put on the, the appearance of a human and to go to death even death on a cross. We say that regularly in our church as we read from, from Philippians, that he, he, he didn't regard equality with God, something to be grasped and held onto and that this is, this is who I am and how dare I share it with you. No, he came and he shared everything with us. The riches, actually, as we, as we looked at in our, in our kids' talk, is the, is the richness of the kingdom of heaven. That Jesus says, all this that you have today that is passing away, that you can't keep with you, I'm, I'm exchanging for something even greater that, you, that, that cannot be snatched from you. I'm going to give you the kingdom of God. I'm going to give you friendship with God. I'm going to give you the right to share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're told in the New Testament. You see, generosity is the opposite of keeping everything to yourself. (laughs) Generosity is the opposite of keeping everything to yourself. Jesus paid for you something that is outside of our budget. He paid the price for our sin. And that is something we could never, ever do. It's like being given a, a bill, an invoice, and you look at that invoice and you say, that is out, that, I could live a million years and never, ever, ever pay that debt off. But Jesus did it. On the day that he hung himself on the cross, he hung there, um, as one of the songs we sing says, that it was our sin that held him there, that Jesus, with all of his richness, became poor so that we could become rich. That is Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. And interestingly, although that 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 
that verse on its own, out, out of its context, is about the riches of the kingdom of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in its context, is all about money. Uh, it's all about Paul talking to a church and saying, I want you to be generous. But I want you to be generous because of how generous you can see that God is. God is a generous God. Jesus has paid for something that we could never pay off. He paid our tab. And friends, for that, I'm, I'm going to stop and just pause and I'm going to give thanks and praise to God. Let's bow our heads and thank God. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your generosity. Though, though we were destitute in our sin, in our failure... And in our rebel state, even though we were unaware of how horrible we had treated you, you sent your son into the world to save us, to save sinners. We thank you that here at our church, we celebrate this fact each week and each time we meet, recognising that the greatest treasure in the whole wide world is peace with God. And this is something we can never pay on our own accounts. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your son we thank you, Father, that you sent your Son into the world, that he paid the price that we could never pray. Father, thank you. We recognise, we, we worship you, we praise you for your generosity and your heart that you so love the world that you gave your one and only Son. Lord, we thank and praise you in your Son's name. Amen. Well, David doesn't stop there. He said, but, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? But the verse doesn't, he hasn't finished. He said, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Friends, that, that is, that's the concept that I want us to grasp at with today, that everything we give is actually only being given to you from the hand of God to begin with, everything. Um, a friend of mine tells this story uh, that he was taking his daughter home from a I think it was a music practice or something like that. He's taking his daughter home. He was driving the car and his daughter was in the back and they were a bit hungry. He said, would you like to have, would you like to do, do drive through Maccas? And she said, yes, yes, Dad. And so he drove into the drive through and he ordered uh, uh, just, just some fries, large fries, and he paid for the fries and the lady handed the fries to the father and the father turned around and gave it to the daughter. And they drove off out of the drive through and, uh, and as they're driving on, the, the father said to his daughter, could I, have, could I have a fry? And she said, no, they're mine. <laughs> I said, this is, what we, this is what we encounter when we talk about generosity. We're, we're not talking about how much of mine will I give to God. We're saying everything that I have is, has come from God. And so I'm going to talk later on the service about what we can do in, in practical terms about giving. But... The very starting place for us to think about our giving is that actually we're not giving anything. We've received everything. We're going to change our mindsets a little bit from, um, from bucket thinking to cake thinking. You see, bucket thinking, which is a fine thing. I know, you know, when, when financial advisors talk about um, budgeting, they often use buckets these days. And they say, well, there's a bucket, which is your spending bucket. So you've got your salary coming in. There's a, a spending bucket because you've got to pay for rent. You've got to pay for food. You've got to pay for the odd clothing. There's things you need to pay for. That's your spending so that you can live today. Uh, there's a, a savings bucket. So there's bucket one is for spending. Bucket two is for saving. And so you're putting away for future so spending is for, pay, is for living today, saving is for living in the future. 
and then uh, there's a giving bucket. And so you've decided how much is going into the giving bucket. And so you can see there's nothing wrong with that strategy, but I just want to change our mindset a little bit from bucket thinking that here's the bit that I'm going to consider giving. I want to change our thinking to cake thinking. You know, when it's your birthday, someone presents you with a cake and you never made the cake. You didn't slave over the cake. You didn't even decide probably what cake you're going to get. But here's the cake. You've got it and, and, it's, and it's given to you in front of you. And then you're given a knife and you're expected after, um, after a certain song is sung that you'd, you'd chop up this cake and you're chopping up the cake in order to give, in order to hand it out, to share that cake with others. And, you know, if you translate that to, to, financial, to, a, to financial cake, then, of course, portions of that cake is going to your rent. Portions of that cake is going to the things you need to spend. But the concept of moving from bucket thinking to cake thinking is to realise <clears throat> that the whole cake has been a gift to you. It's all, of a, all a gift. Um, if someone would... There's a glass of water on, the, on that, on that uh, windowsill there. If someone just raises it down the front, that'd be wonderful. Uh, so we're going to move from bucket thinking. I'd like you to think about um, cake thinking. We're sharing the whole. The whole thing is from God, and now we're thinking, what, how am I going to use the whole thing? Thank you. How am I going to use the whole thing uh, to share and be generous with others? It's only out of the generosity of God that we have anything to give, to give in the first place. Today, friends, we are... Today we're talking about money. Um, we're not talking about time and skills. As um, I know that you, I've prepared everyone for today, so I didn't take you by surprise that today's about money. We, those um, who are regularly coming, I said, this is, this is happening today. Um, and I've had a few people ask me, are you going to talk to you, are you going to talk about just money and being generous with money, or are you going to talk about generosity with time and skills as well? And, um, and the answer is, no, today I'm talking about money. Um, in two Sundays from now, we'll talk about other forms of generosity uh, that, are, that are dealt with in, in time and skills and, uh, and sharing in, uh, in other resources other than money. But today, I want to talk just about money. But friends, it's not about the church budget. Today is not about the church budget. Today is about our hearts. And so we're, we're, the sermon series is about growing a healthy church. And as we listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6... He, our Lord and Saviour, says, you've got to be on your guard against greed. You've got to be on your guard. And so that's what we're doing today. God is a generous God. He's, he's been generous to us in all sorts of ways. We live in a very rich country. It's also a very expensive country, I, I grant that, but we live in a very ge generous, uh, rich country. And so we have been given much, and so God is asking us, not to um, <clears throat> bleed yourself dry, but to consider what has God given to me and how can I be generous? All right, so we turn to Jesus and he wants us to train our hearts where to be. Train your hearts where to be. In Matthew chapter 6, we're in just a few verses that pop out, that shine out of Matthew chapter 6. And the first one is Jesus saying that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where is your treasure chest? What's your most treasured possession? You know your treasured possession because you get very protective over it. Uh, you don't want anyone to go near it. What are the things that actually subconsciously or even maybe you're, you're aware of them that, that are, in your, are in your treasure chest? What do you protect the most? What are you driven to pursue? What is the thing that drives you to get out of bed and, and do every day? Um, 
That's, that's your treasure. Where your treasure is, well, that's, that reveals where your heart is. That's, that's, a, that's a telltale sign of where your heart truly is. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says, You cannot serve both God and money. I'll just read that again. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is so concise with his words there, isn't he? It's, it's binary. You see, you can't do one and the other. You have to do one or the other. I bet you, like me, want to prove God wrong here. That you can serve God and grow your wealth at the same time. Um, it's a telltale sign, is that you can't... But Jesus says, quite bluntly, you actually have to choose between God and money. But he doesn't say, give all your money away. He's just saying that all of your money changed the way you think about the money. That it's all come from God to begin with and therefore all of it is going to be spent towards living a godly life. A life that's full of worshipping the living God with joy. Um, we are talking, Jesus leads us to, toward, in, in that statement Jesus is talking about idolatry. Putting our hope in something less than God is idolatry. Whenever we have our faith in something other than God, or more importantly than God, then that is idolatry. Uh, Paul said in Colossians 3 verse 5, he said, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. I love this, these phrases. Put to death. Chop it off. Cut it off. You know, shoot it in the brain. Put to death the following. He says, I think I've got this, sorry. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, put that to death. Impurity, put that to death. Lust, put that to death. Evil desires, put that to death. And greed, which is idolatry. Put it to death, says Paul, who's in agreement with Jesus. When our busyness, when our purpose in life, when our drive is about making money and storing money, then we're greed feeders. We're greed feeders. Jesus, it's been said many times that Jesus spoke a lot about money. And he told that parable about the rich man who filled his barn and he decided with that full barn, what should I do? I need to buy, build another barn. And he keeps on building. That's, a def, that's the definition of greed. I've got a full barn. How can I share that with people? That's how the man should have responded. But no, I'm going to take that barn and I'm going to make another barn and fill that barn. And it goes on and Jesus in that parable, he said that that, that, that day that man's life was taken away from him. And what did he take to the grave? Nothing. He took nothing with him. We bring nothing into the world. We take nothing out of it. So what are we going to do with the, with the things that God has gift, God has put things in our hands to use in this lifetime? What are we going to do with that, with those things that God has given us? Jesus said in Matthew 6.32, for the people of the world seek after all these things. Clothing and, and food is what he was talking about. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I love that little verse there. The people of, the people of this world, he says in, one, in another translation, he says, pagans run after all these things. The busyness of this world, people are busy trying to make a quick buck and to grow their wealth because that's where their comfort and their joy is found. But Jesus said that's, 
That's for people who have not found Jesus. That's for people who have not encountered the living God who we are worshipping in joy, who we're transforming our minds to be more like him, to understand him and to, and to pursue the kingdom of God that he's given to us free of charge. The people who have not come into the kingdom, that's what occupies their brain. But what needs to occupy our brain as you look at the second half of verse 32 is the knowledge that our Father knows that you need them. God knows what you need. Uh, he talked about the birds of the air. He talked about the flowers of the field. He says they don't, they don't have committee meetings trying to work out forecasts of the future. They don't gather. You don't see birds sitting in their nests sort of taking notes and having you know, parish council meetings trying to work out the budget for the next year. They just, sit, they just go get up in the morning, they catch a worm, and they catch two worms, one for them, one for their kids, and that's it. The day's done. Then the rest of the day you can just look for statues. I'll let that soak, sink in. <laughs> Don't live like an atheist, Jesus says. You know God. You know how generous he is. You know how loving he is. You know that while, though he's rich, he became poor so that you could become rich. You know that. Don't live like an atheist. Jesus actually said, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said, watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. I don't think I can even expand on that. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. We will worship the living God with joy. We will train our hearts to trust God. That's what we're going to do. And then Jesus, um, in the very next verse, Matthew 6, verse 33, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You notice that in, in the previous verse, in th verse 32, he said that the, the, the people of this world um, seek, they seek out wealth, but the people of the kingdom of God seek out the kingdom of God. That's what we pursue. That's what we're worried about. Don't worry about food and clothing. What you need to worry about is the kingdom of God. And guess what? God's paid for that. It's been guaranteed to you. It's not a life of righteousness that you get closer to God. It's when God got close to us and said, here you go. I've paid the debt in full. So turn to Christ and you have, you have the riches for all eternity. So stop grabbing onto the things of this world as if that's where your security is. Look at the things of this world. Look at the things you've got and acknowledge that this is a cake that's been given to you and how am I going to share this cake? What am I going to do with it? Jesus said, uh, go and make disciples of all nations. We heard that two weeks ago. Our hearts were drawn to God last week as we were, we were encouraged to enjoy God, to love him, like him, and participate in what he wants. Um, I, late last year, I started donating blood. And I don't say that to boast because it took me that long to finally get around to giving blood. Um, and, and I'm hooked. It's wonderful. It's a great thing to do. Um, what I've noticed, though, is they, they, they know that this is life-giving to others. And they know that you need the blood too. So they only take what you don't need to share with others. Uh, the other thing I noticed about blood donation is that they follow you up. Once you've, once you've done it once, 
they hunt you down and they say you're, you and they and they 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 talk you up they say you're a legend you're amazing they've convinced me that I'm the most important person in the world in the universe <laughs> and that without me everyone's dying and I'm like they follow you up they don't they're not backwards in saying what you did was a good thing could you do it again and again and again and the other thing I've noticed about um, donating blood is that they they also follow you up in, in the next couple of days or weeks and they say you know what that blood that blood that you that you got rid of that's no longer yours it belongs to someone else now and it's and they they name the hospital where the blood went and they say that's that well done is that is that wonderful I think that's a good way of us thinking about um, how we share our wealth with others it's an investment but it's not an investment in directly in yourself it's an investment in others it's an investment in growing the kingdom of God. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And so as a church, we're, banding, we're bonding, banding together in order to make disciples of all nations. And, and an element of that is that we, we share what God has given to each of us individually so that collectively we can do this and we can do it better. We don't want to run a church on oil rags. That's a hard way to run a church is on, is on the, the vapours of oil rags. It would be wonderful for um, uh, you to allow the parish council to, to, to have big thinking, to go, wow, look at how generous our people are. And they want us, they, and the parish council would say, the, the people are wanting us to think big in the area of making disciples of all nations. That's what our church is devoted to do, and that's what, uh, that's what um, the parish council and the budget is around. But this is not about the church budget. This is about our hearts. I want to share with you a couple of things that have happened this year. Um, as, as, as most of you know, uh, um, I've, I've only begun at this church this year. Um, so January was when I started, and I haven't quite made a 12 months yet. Um, but we're getting close there. Um, but here's a couple of things that I've observed at this church, all good news stories. We have 77 people under the age of 18, so 77, we'll call them children, um, 77 who, who we are currently reaching through our various youth activities, 77. Now, that doesn't even include scripture. That, that's hundreds of people there. So I'm just not even going to talk about that, which is an amazing outreach. But we're 77 youths who are in contact with our church. Half of that number are actively being discipled. 37 children are regularly coming to our youth programs and hearing what it means to be, to be saved and to grow up as a disciple of Jesus. I, like, I think that's encouraging. That's really encouraging. Uh, we started a, a discipleship pathway this year, um, which you, you, you'd know is the, the Knowing Christ course and the Growing in Christ course. It was a, it was a trial this year to see how it hands out and we're going to continue going that in the future we started that this year and there were 24 adults who engaged in that in that pathway in one way or another who engaged not just showed up interest but engaged in the in the program 24 adults we have more than 70 adults in our growth groups each week 70 that's so that's so if there's 37 active children involved in our church there's 70 adults actively in, in involved in discipleship making in the middle of the week so that's over 100 people um, doing doing something in the in the discipleship area in addition to meeting together on Sundays 
We have, here's my last bit of statistic, we have had, to my understanding, we have had 34 adults move toward our church this year. What I mean is there are 34 individuals, adults, who have, who have encountered our church and left a footprint, many of whom have stayed. Uh, and some of you are here today, and I, I think that's encouraging. What, what, the reason for that statistic is to say that if we want to be a growing church, we've had 34 souls come past our church this year. Can you imagine if we were, if we grew by 34 people every year. It wouldn't take long for our church to be overflowing. It wouldn't take that long. So I want to encourage you that we, we are a discipleship-making church. We're heading in the direction of making disciples. We, we're putting things in place. And it's, of course, it's only by the Spirit of God. Don't hear me say that it's, it's all up to us. But as you read the New Testament, God doesn't say, hey, look, just, just read the Bible and pray and, and wait all through the New Testament is strategy, is um, we're going we're gonna to do this. Paul says it in his missionary journeys all the time. I'm going to go here, then I'm going to go there, and I'm going to clear. And he has a plan. He is led by the Spirit, absolutely, and we want to be led by the Spirit of God, 100%. We can't grow unless God blesses it. But just like David gathered up the material for the temple, the temple wasn't going to build itself. God didn't promise a miracle like that. He wanted the hands uh, and, the, and the feet to give. Well, friends, we've looked at a generous God. God is generous, and I want us to acknowledge that. I want us to celebrate that. And if, you, uh, if you're not sure whether God is generous or not, that you're still in that realm of, of I'm not really sure who this God is, I'm still seeking, I'm still investigating, then that's all I want you to do today, is to sit with that first point, that God is generous, that he gave us his one and only son to enter the world to save sinners like you and like me. Churches are not filled with n- nice well, we are nice people. We've become nicer. But churches are not filled with perfect people. We're, we, are, we are struggling, saved sinners. Uh, we're more like a, a hospital than a, than, a, uh, than a hotel. And so we're all, we're all moving closer and closer to God. We can only ever get close to him through the blood of Christ, through his, his price paid at the cross, and so if you're still trying to investigate that, that's all I need you to hear today, is just keep on seeking God. Um, stick around, be part of our church for his, forever, um, and hear the gospel again and again and again. But friends, I want to get, um, get practical with our regular members. Um, God loves a cheerful giver. That's, that's, the, that's the line I want you to... I want, the three things, right? Uh, God is generous. We need to train our hearts to be in the right place, loving God, not money. And God loves a cheerful giver. I think that's such a helpful little phrase. It's time to talk about some practical ways of looking at this together. Now, I could send you all home. I could have said, look, that's the end of my sermon. You've heard me, me preach. And now I'll leave it with you and, and, and God to work out what you're going to do. But what I'm going to do now is not push you or manipulate you. What I'm doing now is creating a space. So I'm not going to send you home and, and, and go, go home and do the workout. I'm going to actually say, here's, here's the time for you to sit down quietly and just work it out. Um, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm inviting you to do the work right here, right now. Um, and here's the time and space to have a think. Um, by the time we've, at the end of this, you might be ready to, um, to pledge a certain amount of money. And if you're not ready today, that's fine. 
okay? You're not being pushed around here. But here's some time to think about it. And if this time is enough for you, then uh, uh, during the last song today, you can put in a, a piece of paper that says, between me and God, this is, and without your name on it, this is what I've decided to give um, from, here, from here for the next 12 months at least. But if you're not ready today, then you can take this work home with you and continue it on. I want to talk about uh, the two C's and the two G's. The two C's. The two C's are cheerful versus compulsion. They're the two C words, cheerful or compulsion. Um, one is fueled by joy. The other is legalistic. Obviously, we want the first one. We want cheerful givers. God loves a cheerful giver. So if you're not on board, then don't be on board. The, the two Gs are generosity and greed. You can see that these counteract each other. Generosity versus greed. One is other people-centred. The other is self-centred. Um, in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7... In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, I might have screwed up the... the I, I might have just made a blotch of the recording. Um, I should have thought that in my head, not out loud. Each, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'll just read that again. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's the word of God, and that's my word to you today. Tithing is legalistic. It's not what the New Testament talks about. If you want to talk about tithing, often people talk about 10% of your wage. If you really want to get accurate with tithing in the way the Old Testament uh, shapes it, it's more like 25% of your wage. So if you'd like to tithe, go right ahead. Um, the New Testament doesn't talk about tithing. The New Testament talks about being generous. It's a change of heart. You see, in the Old Testament, it's, it's rules and regulations because God is, rule, is leading an entire nation. And the nation is told that this is the prescribed way that you will be godly and righteous. But, in, but as, the, as Jeremiah predicted in, in chapter 31, that there'll come a day when the rules won't need to be written down because they'll be in your heart. It's generosity that flows from knowing God and the spirit of God. So tithing is legalistic. I don't give you a dollar value to work with. Um, instead, respond to the generosity of God by, by being generous. We want the cake thinking. The cure for greed, there's only one cure for greed, and it is generosity. If you want to work on your greed, to put to death greed, then put to, to practice generosity. It's like the cure for darkness is light. You don't just stop having darkness in the room. You've got to bring light in. Uh, the, 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 cure for the cure for greed is generosity. So I've got two questions, I think, that flow from that, that uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Two questions. Am I happy to do this? Am I happy to do this? There's question number one. God loves a cheerful giver. And if you're not ready to commit to, some, to a, a pledge um, for giving financially to the work of the gospel here at Kingswood Anglican, then you're not ready. If you're not happy to do it, then you're not ready. Um, keep on training your heart where to be. Keep on asking yourself, where, does, where is Christ in my life? Where is my knowledge of God? How do, do I understand God to be a generous God? Do I trust him with my future? When Jesus says that your father knows what you need and he gives you what you need, do I, do I believe that? Keep working on that relationship with God. 
The second question is, how generous can I be? I find this a very helpful question because this question is for all of us. I recognise, and I don't know who you are and I don't want to know, I recognise that there are people in, this, in, our, in our church who give generously already. I recognise that and I praise God for the work that he's done in your heart. But even, even to you, I think it's helpful as you're training your heart where to be, you could always ask, how, how generous could I be? How generous could I be? If I'm trying to kill greed, how, how, how far can I push the envelope of my generosity so that I'm still cheerful and generous? Um, we want to be greed slayers. So there you have it, friends. I want to give you some space. Um, how, much, uh, how much do you currently give? That's a rhetorical question. I don't want to know. Just as you're, you know, on, your, on your sheet of paper... You've got two things here today. Uh, on, the, on the sermon outline, the bottom uh, right corner, is just some space for you to do some working out. You can scribble it out. You don't have to share this with, with any other person. If you're married, you should share it with your, 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 um, your, your spouse. Um, how much are you currently giving? Um, that's just a starting point to think and process. Am I still a cheerful giver? Am I being generous? Um, you might like to start with how, how much do you earn in a fortnight after tax? How much comes into your bank account in a fortnight? Could you stretch that figure over 52 weeks of the year? I'm not, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm saying, why don't you write that figure down and ask yourself, is that, am, I cheerful, am I happy to give that? And is that generous? What I'm doing is just you just test the waters. You test the waters of your heart and see, see how you're going. I, I said to you, I'm drawing to an end now, I said to you earlier on, this is not about the budget, it's about our hearts. When the parish council puts together the budget, it's actually asking itself, the parish council is asking itself, what, what, do, we, what do we have to spend money on? And so when we have a budget going, we, we're saying this is what we actually have to spend in order to keep functioning as a church. Uh, what I'm doing is I'm not asking you to just meet budget. I want you to be generous. I, I'd love for our church to express our thankfulness to God in his great generosity to us. Not, that he's, not merely that he's, that he's um, given you material possessions, but he's given you the Lord Jesus. He's given you the spirit of God. He's not held anything back from us. We've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual gift, says Ephesians chapter 1. How, how can we respond to God? Now, of course, you don't need to give... When you're being generous, you don't have to be generous only to the church. There are plenty of things to be generous with your money, and um, I encourage you to be generous in all sorts of areas. But I would encourage you, as, as those who are responding to the words of Jesus, to go and make disciples of all nations, I am convinced that... Investing in your local church is one of the key ways that you can respond to, to Jesus' command to go and make disciples of all nations. So just a little recap on the practicalities of this. On this piece of paper, you can just do some, some jotting, jotting uh, out. Have a think of what you're currently giving. Could you give more? Have a think of what you're currently receiving in your various incomes and ask, am I... Am I giving in, in, in proportion to that? And lastly, this, this slip of paper here 
is where you uh, could make a pledge and say, without any, without any, any indication of who you are, it'd be nice just to know what church service you're, you're a part of because you might give this slip in uh, in a week's time. I'd love, to, um, I'd love to be encouraged by the work of the Spirit going on in the hearts of this congregation to think, where, where is my heart? And where is my allegiance to God? And what am, I, what am I going to do with the ways that God has been generous to me? You've got a packet of large fries in your hand. And your father says, can I have one? How do you respond? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, it is awfully difficult to talk about money in the midst of a sermon. But, Lord, I acknowledge that Jesus had care for our hearts to know that we were dedicated to you and not continuing to behave in the ways that we used to before we came into relationship with you. I, I pray simply that you would continue to work in our hearts, to grow in our affection towards you. And, Father, that, that the way that we use all of our money would be reflected in the way that we love and worship you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing.